Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast 103, Skype Fail, and Lesson Planning Made Easy. Sector 3. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. <laughs> this is going to be the Slap Happy Show, apparently. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> um, as always, I'm Troy Patterson, and with me is... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm Sean. I'm pretty sure, too. <laughs> We've got uh, about a six-hour show for you today. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to condense it down to one. <laughs> we're going to condense it down to one, one way or another, but we got a six-hour show for you. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot here to talk about. Um, hey, you know Al- you know Albert Einstein. Um, I wish I knew Albert Einstein. <laughs> you got to go with this. It makes a little more sense if you just go with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Al and I go way back. Uh, <laughs> We podcast together, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, he was making the rounds in the speaker circuit. And um, he usually find himself long to get back to his laboratory work. One night, driving to yet another rubber chicken dinner, Einstein mentioned to his chauffeur, a man who somewhat resembled Einstein in looks and manners, that he was tired of speech making. I have an idea, boss. I don't know where that accent came from, by the way. (laughs) His chauffeur said, I've heard you give the speech so many times, I bet I could give it for you. Einstein laughed loudly and said, Why not? Let's do it. I have no German accent whatsoever. Um, When when they arrived at dinner, Einstein donned the chauffeur's cap and jacket and sat in the back of the room. The chauffeur gave a beautiful rendition of Einstein's speech and even answered a few questions expertly. Then, a supremely pompous professor asked an extremely esoteric question about antimatter formation, digressing here and there to let everyone in the audience know that he was nobody's fool. Without missing a beat, the chauffeur fixed the, the professor with a steely stare and said, Sir, to answer, that que- to answer that question is so simple, I will let my chauffeur, who is sitting in the back, answer it for me. One of those... Why, how it is that teachers think on their feet and think well, kind of things. You, of course, heard about the teacher and the principal who went on a fishing trip, right? Oh, no, I haven't heard that one. What about it? Um, they, they went on a fishing trip. Okay. They rented all of the equipment, reels, rods, wading suits, rowboat, car, cabin, whole shoot and match. First day they go fishing, they don't catch anything. Same thing on the second day third day finally on the last day one of them catches a fish as they're driving home they're really depressed one turns to the other and says do you realize this one lousy fish that we caught cost us 1500 bucks the other guy looks at him and says it's a good thing we didn't catch any more (laughs) expensive fish I'll let you decide which one was the teacher and which one was the principal. <laughs> well, in a day of in the day and age of budget cuts, <laughs> I think they both are. Hey, you know what? what? We had some folks. We had some folks that uh, communicated with us this week. Yes, we did. We did. And you're going to talk um, about them. <laughs> I think I'll talk. I think I'll talk about them. Yeah. Um, First of all, over on iTunes, we, we, we ask every now and then we ask folks to go over to iTunes and, and 
uh, give us a rating and uh, post a comment. We always enjoy looking at those. Um, you know, they give us feedback, and feedback is important. Mm-hmm. And so Linda, B23, uh, posted a, a comment over on iTunes, and we really appreciate it. So thanks, Linda. Linda B23, you rock. And we, did we mention she's also wise? Oh, yes. Yes, a wise and wonderful, I'm going to assume, uh, talented lady. Oh, very gifted. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also asked a question in last week's podcast about, uh, we mentioned it was Palindrome Day. It was um, mm-hmm. one oh oh one oh one. No one. It was oh oh and then two oh one oh. It was a palindrome. Either way, you spelled it. It came out the same way. Well, we we thought. Well, you know, October is probably the next one. Or are there any more between now and October? And and Doc Tatum, um, from down there, Fried Hardeman, answered our palindromic question. And he said, concerning the last podcast, February palindrome in Australia, they do the day then the month, so it would be oh one oh two two one one oh. Keep up the great uh, work with the podcast, Monty. So he, he found one. There is one between now and then. Mm-hmm. And, and, since, and since Australia is in their summer, I'm willing to go down there and celebrate that day with them. <laughs> That's right. Send checks and money orders, too. <laughs> I think I lost you. We use Skype, folks, and, and right now Skype is just being cantankerous. Okay, so, folks, when you're, when you're working with Skype, sometimes there are hiccups in the system. <laughs> And, and and Skype, uh, Skype for those of you who use it, know that sometimes Skype has a personality all its own. Well, in the time you first or you, that you heard me just a few seconds ago till now, a good five to ten minutes has elapsed <laughs> in real life. <laughs> but I think so, we've got it back. So yeah, we think we've got it back. Um, so we're talking about Dr. Tatum and the palindrome question. He found it, and, and so uh, yeah, in Australia, we would love to go to Australia and celebrate that day with them because down there it's nice and warm. The teachers that I follow on Twitter, they are. Uh, celebrating their days on the beach and in this warm sun and uh, i'm feeling kind of jealous and i imagine our listeners down there in georgia and parts of the panhandle of florida are kind of wishing that they were down that direction a little farther south too because they're getting some they're learning what frostbite is that's right this weekend yeah so and speaking of frostbite which is a very sciencey kind of thing it is this is a stretch um <laughs> dave bidlowski from uh wayne risa has uh, sent off some information about middle school science. He does a nice podcast um, with, and uh, he produces the Mid- the Michigan Science Matters Network mm-hmm. um, on the second and third and fourth Thursday of the month. And we'd we'd love to get regular information. You can check out the podcast at k12science.net and they also have an e-blast mm-hmm. do you know what an e-blast is? Um, that's a frostbite winter version of uh, a winter blast that Florida's getting right now except it comes in your email okay um, <laughs> and that's available at msta dash mich.org slash smn there are a couple of things you mentioned uh, coming up in science the science world did did we get those um we probably noticed- did okay well then i'll i'll poke around for those in in a few minutes i think but there's a whole long list of e-blast information that's uh, available um from all the way back to September 13th of 2007, 
So um, you can definitely go and check that out. Um, he does a nice podcast. Um, you can uh, listen to that. Um, Involves some kids in it, and uh, it's good, especially if you're into sciencey kind of things. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, some really good stuff. You know what? Um, you, when if you talk to him, you got to ask him to play the guitar for you. He does a wonderful job with. Uh, he does. Windowsand. So you can you can check that out, especially if you're a science person. And the e-blast is uh, kind of like a newslettery kind of thing. Lots of links in there. Um, some good things, including oh, he has science humor, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we can steal some jokes from him. Definitely. All right. Okay. Um, well, he, he sent us a couple things in the email. I, I'm going to throw that in later after the show into the show notes. So if you're interested in seeing some of the things that he puts in his e-blast, I'm going to put that in there and go to the website and take a look at that. And where is the website once again? Uh, the website would be at middleschoolmatters.com. And uh, our email is middleschooleducators at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on uh, Twitter at MS Matters. And um, you can find both of us also individually on those places. Mm-hmm. And, um and we on, on those places we talk about things that are on our mind. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we sometimes race to the top of what's on our mind. <laughs> There's one thing racing to the top of. Uh, top of our speaking of racing to the top, um, the uh, we, we've been talking a little bit about race to the top because Michigan has just adopted the um, has just passed the criteria necessary to apply for. The race to the top material uh, money. Um, the race to the top is about four billion dollars, which sounds like a whole lot of money. And and I will agree, it's not chump change, but it is a tiny percentage of what the U.S. spends on education. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it is would be enough to solve every educational woe or to completely refinance or rethink how we finance everything. So it's not, it's not chump change, but it is, um, chump change in another way. Um, and I think it's interesting. And someone has mentioned, someone else has mentioned that it's fascinating that they've gotten a lot. I think every state has now adopted the, the criteria to be eligible in general for the race to the top funds. Mm -hmm. So largely what's happened is the federal government has gotten the states to make substantial changes in what they're doing and how they're doing it to, without spending, uh, without really spending a dime because it's competitive money. So it's, uh, it's an interesting way to get people to change, to get uh, states to change. And there's a couple of controversial issues um, in this. And probably the most, the biggest controversial issue is the pay for performance, tying, somehow tying teacher um, evaluation and or teacher pay to student performance on multiple choice tests. And there are some school districts that are saying, we don't want to be part of it. We're... We're not going to be applying for the race to the top money because we feel that education is much more than what is showing on a on a multiple choice test. 
So there is some controversy there about whether states should do it, whether school districts should do it. Um, and the race to the top is formed around four specific areas, adopting standards and assessments that prepare students to succeed in college and the workplace and to compete in the global economy. That's one. Secondly, building data systems that measure student growth and success and inform teachers and principals about how they can improve instruction. That's two. Three, recruiting, developing, rewarding, and retaining effective teachers and principals, especially where they are needed most. And four, turning around our lowest achieving schools. Um, so that's kind of what they're, they're looking at again. So race to the top is, uh, is an ambitious, I, I like this, um, awards and race to the top will go to states that are leading the way with ambitious yet achievable plans for implementing coherent, compelling, and comprehensive education reform. Race to the top winners will help trailblaze effective reforms and provide examples for states and local school districts throughout the country to follow as they, too, are hard at work on reforms that can transform our schools for decades to come. So we'll see. Yeah, and states are doing uh, things, passing legislation like crazy right now so that they can qualify for race to the top funds. Uh, a couple interesting things here in, in the state of Michigan. The top, or I'm sorry, the bottom 5% of schools in the state will be taken over by the state so that the, the, the local school boards will no longer be relevant. Um, and then the one I thought it was kind of mentioned in passing on the local news report was that if you are a teacher in a school district and you don't have enough books, you can call the State Department of Ed and they will get you those books and then charge your school district for the cost of providing those books. But you don't have to go to your administrator. You can go straight to the State Department of Education to get your books. Yeah. And that's going to cause a ton of problems. Well, there's, I think there's going to be lots of things that are interesting in there. <coughs> and um, to me, one of the issues is they say build data systems that measure student growth and success. But what we've seen so far has been that's a multiple-choice test. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk now about building using the NAEP as a um, as the test to figure out student proficiency. And you have to remember, this is not a test that was designed to be passed, quote unquote. It was a designed. It's designed to essentially be. Um, and my brain just left. Um, uh, test uh, basic minimum skills, not maximum no, skills? No, no. It's designed to be to put kids on a range, to compare kids with other, other kids, and you put them on a range. A percentile? So well. I'm not helping. <laughs> and, and I don't know why my, my, my brain has lost the word. It's very, it's very basic to education, and it should be there. Um you're ranking kids against other kids and how they do. Not that, not that, um, bell curve. Well, yeah, it's a, it creates the bell curve is essentially is this many kids did this and compared to other kids, this is where you fall on the schedule, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the results. It's not that you can get, you're going to get say, 
um, uh, you know, 80% of your kids to pass the test, quote unquote, um, it's, it's just gonna, it's normed. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> normed. Um, it just compares how you did on the test with how other kids did on the test. So. Oh, okay. Well, that'd be like a percentile ranking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, so I think it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this yeah, plays out. Again. And again, I think that one of the biggest things is that um, they're managing to get lots of school reform, lots of charter schools, because um, that's a part of this as well, in place. And um, with the idea being that you'll be eligible for the money, not that you get the money. Okay, and one of the things that they would probably suggest is that we would Twitter about our successes. Yes, I, I imagine they would. And uh, as speaking of Twitter, here's some successes that other people have had with Twitter. <laughs> I wonder if they've had any success with Skype. Uh, from the Twitterverse, uh, Russell Tarr, I, th- I thought this was pretty cool. Um, there's a couple things going on in the news about um, schools holding old-fashioned poetry um, sessions where people get up in front of a microphone and rather than talking about their own poetry they're 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 quoting and uh, memorized pieces of poetry that you know classical pieces of poetry and they're doing these poetry events in high schools and middle schools all over the country some of them are getting some uh, airtime on on national tv russell tar uh, mentioned one that's an e-safe site for sharing children's poetry performances at um at the eSafe site for sharing is po- uh, perform a poem. Um, there is a Michael Rosen at Tildemill school. It's, it's all British. Everything is going to be in that British accent. And some of it poetry is going to take, you're going to hear the word poetry pronounced in a way you've never heard it pronounced before. I assure you it's the word poetry. That's what she meant. Um, but it, it's fun to watch the video and take a look at it. Um, I'm probably going to actually close this window because this looks like it's trying to download. Um, but there's places for you to post the, the kids performing poetry, not only theirs, but other pieces. Great way to link poetry into the, into the curriculum. Uh, Bill Ivy, uh, great blog entry. Uh, if you are brave talking about, uh, new students and it, I like this one because he talks about how he used advisory to help new students acclimate to the school, but also then show, uh, where their strengths were. Um, and their and and their successes throughout the school year. At the end of the year, it's kind of a reflection, look, looking back on things. Going, you know, we thought this about this kid, but through advisory and some other things in the building that we've implemented, uh, it's a great blog entry. I, I highly recommend you go and look at it. Uh, Bill Ivy writes some great stuff. I had a chance to meet him at NMSA '09. Um, Fifty fun iPhone apps to get kids reading and learning. Mm-hmm. I didn't read about that one. Well, this this I thought was interesting. I thought, it, if nothing else, it's a, a neat um, kind of list to look at some of what what things that are available. Um, there's everything from Peekaboo Barn. Tap Ooh. the barn doors to learn which animal is hiding behind them. Uh, animal names are in English and Spanish, but the sounds are all animal. Um, so there's a bunch of different categories. There's uh, art, uh, doodle kids. It's a free art application. Uh, preschool adventure. Um, create a cartoon face. Um, music. 
Um, Wheels on the Bus. <laughs> this wildly popular app that teaches sing-along songs in several languages. Um, Bejeweled, uh, you know, problem-solving. Bejeweled, Best of I Spy, which is... Um, could be could be fun for an advisory kind of activity as well, doing I Spy together. Uh, brain Challenge, tough, Touch Physics, um, Reading and Writing, um, you know, Letter Tracer, Spelling Bees, Word Scramble. This game is geared toward older kids. Um, Wordle, which is a boggle-like game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of these are a lot of these are admittedly geared toward kids who are younger than middle school, but I think it's an interesting list, and it shows you kind of some of the uh, the things that are are kind of out there, and just gives you a quick overview. Um, and especially if you have kids that are younger, and it, this this also could be very helpful for, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have some iPod touches in mm-hmm. the classroom and you want to differentiate, and you have some kids who are struggling, there's some things that could help build some basic knowledge there too. Cool. So you can check that out. Um, I don't know why I'm doing the science ones, but here we go. Um, cool science for curious kids. And this really is um, the the latest one is on science fair basics, um, but they have a bunch of different um, uh, science ideas and different things you can do with science. So you can certainly feel free to check that one out. Um, and then we have from Tough Love for X. Um, this is Google experiments are brilliant. Um, and, brilliant. and, and here's, here's largely this, these are some Google tips and tricks, which can give you information in different ways and can help show kids how to get information on different ways. Um, so they go through the, the timeline search. They go through some search navigation, dig style voting, um, just some uh, just some quick tips that are useful. And uh, if you use the Google, you might want to uh, check out. So, um, and then is the next one mine or yours? Um, oh, teachers should be seen and not heard. That's mine. Okay, good. Um, Cursa, teachers should not be seen and heard. Uh, Cursa is um, the National Teacher of the Year, which I think, well, okay, he's tweeting uh, the National Teacher of the Year, who is Anthony uh, Mullen, uh, who's doing road diaries, because if you're Teacher of the Year and you're really good at teaching, they pull you out of the classroom. That's right. That's right. Uh, And send you around. I don't know. It's like, you know, well, anyway, that's a whole other theory I have. Uh, You do a really good job, so we're not going to let you do it. Um, and lots of those people don't go back to teaching either, which right. is interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like, uh, here's your reward for doing a good job. You don't have to teach. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. Don't. So anyway, uh, but this is a really good post, and it's a long post. It's where he uh, has been invited to sit at a, a roundtable 
uh, discussion with three state governors, one state senator, a Harvard professor, and an author, and a strange, what he calls, a strange little man who assumes the role of group moderator. And it's called uh, Teachers Should Be Seen and Not Heard, because a lot of it he spends just as a fly on the wall. You ought to read it. I'm not going to read everything. It is a very long post. I do want to read one um, section at the end where he does get a chance to speak. And uh, I'll pick it up from, from right, near the, right near the end. And I quote, Once again, the strange little man grabs the reins of the discussion and now alerts the group of my presence. He deposits the strawberries calyx on the plate. I am no longer a fly on the wall at a table as others look upon me. What do you think? The senator asked. Where do I begin? I spent the last 30 minutes listening to a group of arrogant and condescending non-educators disrespect my colleagues and profession. I listened to a group of disingenuous people whose own self-interests guide their policies rather than the interests of children. I listened to a cabal of people who sit on national education committees that will have a profound impact on classroom teaching practices. And I heard nothing of value. I'm thinking about the current health care debate, I said, and I'm wondering if I'll be asked to sit on a national committee charged with the task of creating a core curriculum of medical procedures to be used in hospital, hospital emergency rooms. The strange little man cocks his head, and suddenly the fly on the wall has everyone's attention. I realize that most people would think I'm unqualified to sit on such a committee because I'm not a doctor and I've never worked in an emergency room and I've never treated a single patient. So what? Today I've listened to people who are not teachers, never worked in a classroom, and never, never taught a single student tell me how to teach. An uneasy silence cloaks the table. The governor from the south looks at his watch. The governor from the north bows his head. The governor from the midwest stirs his coffee. The diminutive senator stares at me, and the strange little man grabs another strawberry. One by one, the lunch guests leave the table. I return to being a fly on the wall, or a fly at the table. I wonder how many other teachers have been treated in such a matter. Unquote. The rest of the experience is worth that final section. I highly encourage you to go look at it. Share it with other teachers in your building. It'll definitely pick you up in those doldrum days of winter. Um, and I would love to see if, if he ever gets invited to any other discussions because I don't think he's <laughs> going to be invited back. Uh, I, th- I think word's going to get around really quick with this guy uh, is going to say it if you invite him to a, a roundtable discussion on education. But it's a good pick-me-up piece. So post it on the bulletin board in the Teacher's Lounge. You know, Give cha- uh, teachers a chance to read this. And um, it's well worth the paper you print it, I think. Um, that's not all we had, though. Let's see. Uh, Dave's Canyon. Oh, 50 Ways to Motivate Language Learners. Yeah, it's 50 Ways to Motivate Language Learners. Um, This is kind of interesting because what it ends up being is it ends up being a 60-page PDF, um, which is available for free. You do have to register. Um, Registration is pretty pretty, uh, easy. but it is uh it's a nice introduction i think to language learners so um it's probably even a nice um refresher for people who have been teaching it um it's very colorful lots of pictures um and just a bunch of different ideas of of how to motivate so you can check that out Problem-based learning in um, in biology. Uh, once again, I'm doing science. Why am I doing science? Yes, we've had we've had physics. Now we got biology. We've had lab work from Dave. Well, but here's the thing. I guess this this is one of the things that caught me is problem-based learning. Cool. Because 
you know, we keep hearing of problem-based learning. I've gone to a couple of schools that were part of their um, rejuvenation plan was mm-hmm. to go to problem-based learning, problem-based inquiry. Um, and this is because it's 20 case examples. So if you're wondering what problem-based learning or PBL is about, because you, you know we need more TLAs. Um, so if you want to know what PBL, <laughs> PBL is about, um, there's 20 cases here. Um, and it's interesting. It's a good introduction to problem-based learning um, and how to do it and gives you some specifics to get you started with it. So, um, you know, take a look at that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, the next one's you. Oh, this one's me. Um, it's not science, I promise. Um, oh, 60 games, 60 educational games. Yeah, that's you. That you've probably never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 it's just a post of games. I don't think that one's me. I think that one is you. Oh, okay. It's me. All right. The next uh, this one is me. Um, yeah. Um, that one, that one, you know, games are very powerful and it's nice to have a bunch of them in your arsenal so that you can use to to um, differentiate, to provide other options for kids, to provide ways to extend things, maybe do some fill-in, get kids to think about things in a different way. And this is, not surprisingly, a list of 60 (laughs) educational games that people can do. Um, They talk about Shed Aquarium from Chicago to um, FitBrainsMultiplication.com. Um, Armored Penguin is a flexible crossword puzzle builder. Um, just lots of lots of stuff, so you can go and check it out, and maybe there's something in there that works for you. So, um, you know, go check that out. All right, um, Dr. Tatum, uh, tools for the classroom. Is that the original? Um Text for the for the tweet. Uh, I changed just a little bit. Uh, one warning: it is flash based. Everything and all these tools for the classroom are flash based. They're basically uh, games, and they're by content area. Uh, you can pop in the review stuff you want the kids to uh, review, and it throws it into a game format. Um, it's a nice, quick tool for use in your classroom, especially for reviewing for tests or even you know uh, as as a quick check to see if they picked up what you you had them study. So. Okay. That's that's it for the uh, Twitterverse. Yay. All right. And let's move on to something that you have told me that I must check out. You must. You must. Oh, I just realized I made it. So I have to listen to the show after we're done. You do. So that I can figure out what it is I'm supposed to check out. You should, you so you better Internet talk about Internet. it now so that when I listen to it later, <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Good. Go to Internet Archive at you know dot org, then you can pick it up there or uh, middleschoolmatters.com. You can listen to it right on the website, and uh, and then when you're done, go to middleschooleducators at gmail dot com and tell us you know if you used it or not. So I'm going to wait for email before I start this part here. <laughs> I'll, I'll be waiting a while. Lesson writer, <laughs> lessonwriter.com. I was picking up. Uh, I don't know where I was exactly, but I, I picked up this link to Lesson Writer. It might have been on Twitter from somebody in the PLN and I went and checked it out. Um, my building 
NCA committee says we have to use graphic organizers to oh, I think that's what it was. I was looking at graphic organizers. Uh, I have to use graphic organizers as part of one of our NCA goals, as part of our NC, one of our NCA committees. And uh, I got this link, and it said lesson writer. And I thought, okay, I'm looking for graphic organizers, but here's this lesson writer thing. What's this all about? And I started poking around looking at it. Uh, lesson writer is designed for you to take non-textbook content. Um, let's say you want to take an article. This has been the big thing with our writing committee. Go find an article, have the kids read it, use this graphic organizer, then give them a test. Okay, we can do that. Lesson Writer makes that process a whole lot easier, and then and, and that is an understatement. Uh, you take the article that you want the kids to read, and you copy and paste it right into their, their lesson um, designer. You give credit to the author. You give credit. And you give credit to the source. You throw in a title. Uh, the text then gets uploaded to LessonWriter.com, and it gets analyzed. You can. It then pulls out vocabulary. It pulls out um, the grammar um, items that are in there. Um, I'm going to pull up one of my my lessons really quick. As a matter of fact, I put it in the show notes. I don't even have to pull it up. It's it's in the show notes. Um, it pulls up all these things that you would normally go through and scour a lesson for and and then puts these things in there. It pulls out the vocab. You click the vocab that you want. And then at the end of the lesson, it has sentences. And it's a typical closed activity where everything's missing except the right vocab word. And the kids have, then have to go look at it, look at the definition, and put the vocab word in the right spot. You can go paragraph by paragraph. It, it identifies the paragraphs within the piece of text that you put into the lesson. And you can add questions that show up right after that specific piece in the writing. So they don't need to look at the entire piece to solve or answer the questions. Uh, they can have the question right there with the text next to it to help them answer the question. Now you're saying to yourself, you know, that's maybe too easy. How can I make this more complex? And yes, you can. You can actually have all those questions at the end and make it a reading and a end questions at the end so that you, you can make it more difficult. You can even scale this and differentiate it because you can go back with the same thing, change the questions so that you've got this lesson for your high-level kids, and you've got this one over here for your struggling readers and your struggling language learners. They each have different types of questions that assess the same type of content. Uh, so you've adapted it to their different abilities. The other thing is that they've got three ways of um, uh, differentiating, I guess for lack of a better word, my, right off the top of my head, but um, accommodating um, you, the needs of your students. The way the lesson is the standard way is that the vocab is at the top and that the vocab assessment is at the end after they're done with the reading. But you can actually change it so that uh, the vocab and the, uh, the vocab assessment are together. Uh, the grammar pieces can be done differently. Uh, and you can simply differentiate the entire lesson by clicking a number of checkboxes at the, at the base of the final lesson uh, page at the very end when it's ready to print. So you want to make some changes, you unclick the boxes. Um, your your, your high-level readers don't necessarily need a pronunciation guide. And they're going to look at that and they're going to think, oh, you know, why is this here? I'm being talked down to, for lack of a better term. You can take that stuff out. They don't need that support, pull it out. 
and then give them what they need. And then you change the questions to make it more challenging. The other thing is you can throw in a graphic organizer. Maybe you've got one group of students that responds really well to one type of graphic organizer and another that responds to a completely different type of graphic organizer. Switch them out and give the kids the different ones that they need that they work best with. Lesson Writer makes it so easy to do that simply with a click. You don't need to worry about finding, uh, going to multiple numbers of books in your shelf to pull out different types of graphic organizers. They've got several right there for you. Now, granted, the, whatever they've got in there is what you're going to use in the lesson unless you go to those books and pull out other things that you need or, or other things that you want. But there's, there are a number of them in the Lesson, lesson Writer uh, program itself. The, another best thing about this, and, and, and this is just going to make Troy's eyes light up, it's free. There is a paid component to it, but it is free. Uh, the, the account I have, uh, I can put in 800 words, I think it is. So I can put an 800-word piece of text in there and and then go at it. As opposed to if I had a 1,600-piece of word or word text, I would have to do two lessons and then modify accordingly, you know, merge it together, play with it a little bit. They do have a couple other things uh, where entire teams can share lessons. So this actually supports a, the teaming concept. Your entire team then can sit in, in Lesson Writer and gear lessons towards uh, a unit uh, centered around a central theme. Uh, all your lessons can be organized by class. You put your classes in there, and you label first hour, second hour, third hour, or whatever the title is of class, biology one, biology two, uh, and then put your lessons in there according to that. You can organize it that way. Um, there's some demo videos. I encourage you to watch those. This is worth playing with. The other thing to mention is it's beta. It's not full-blown, ready to go, and they are definitely looking for ideas, suggestions, and requests for features. So play with it and, and give them some feedback. I had one lesson I threw in there, and the text I used used um, periods to indicate where text would be. Instead of using the lorem ipsum, you know, just a bunch of Latin words, mm-hmm. it put in uh, periods to show blocks of text. Well, the, the paragraphing algorithm they use to separate the paragraphs you can put in the questions looks for periods. And I had so many periods in there, it crashed the lesson writer uh, program. So I, I sent a report. And usually when you send uh, crash reports, they're just crash reports and they're anonymous and, you know, whatever. I got an email back from, the, from, from uh, Mr. Stephen Churchville uh, within, oh, I don't know, six, about 12 hours. Uh, saying, hey, this is the problem. Um, we, we haven't run into this before, so you helped us identify something, and uh, we're going to fix it. And when I went back in the lesson writer, my lesson was there, even though it didn't work and, and, and pop up when I was using it the night before. Uh, my lesson was there, so I could go and play with it. And I took out all those periods, and I changed some things, and it's it's working beautifully. One of the teachers in my building tried to sign on, and there was an issue with signing on. And so she sent a little thing saying, hey, I can't sign on. They manually put her into the system so that she'd be able to use lesson writer. So the the... Support for the website is has been very responsive um, in my experience. Uh, it's worth playing with. Oh, the other, oh, the, oh, the teachers' lesson plans. Let me talk about the teachers' lesson plans. Uh, standards driven. Everybody is, is saying standards, standards, standards. So when you get done at the very the very first thing you can click on, uh, click on, click on is uh, the the lesson teachers' lesson plan. And when you do that, on the left hand side are your objectives. You didn't write those objectives. Those objectives have been pulled out based on the text you put in at the very beginning of this entire process. The objectives are there on the left, and then on the right-hand side is the uh, um, 
National uh, National Council for Teachers of English National Standards. This is this is right now primarily a language arts based program, but I wouldn't let that stop you. For example, if you're a social studies teacher and you pull out a text uh, for um, for your social studies class, it's nice to have those standards in there. You can say, look, not only am I addressing my social studies standards, but here are my language arts standards as well. By the way, these are national, and um, and the NCTE standards are very well respected. Um, it's beautiful. I can't, I can't. Accommodation one, you click that, boom, accommodations are put in. Accommodation two, you click that, boom, the accommodations are put in. So it also makes it easier to work with your special ed departments. Uh, now, granted, you know, you're probably going to want more things in there. But remember, this is beta. This is early on. Um, it's worth playing with and worth trying. Uh, sign up is easy. Um, the count's easy. Th- types of things you can include. Let's say you, you know you need to work on roots and stems. It pulls up the ones that it finds within the text. You click on the the one you want to work with. Not multiples. You get to work with one. Um, the grammar. You want to work on a particular area of grammar? Click on that one thing. It likes verbs. It likes to play with verbs. Um, play with it. I encourage you to play with it. Try it out. It's LessonWriter.com. Uh, you got questions, email um, LessonWriter, and they will definitely get back to you. I did ask uh, Stephen Churchville if there's – I said I might talk about this in the podcast. Is there anything you want our listeners to know? And he emailed back and he said, yeah, he says there's a couple things I'd like you to pass along. So let me – I'm going to quote him here. He says, first, there are some underutilized features that I think are a big help to everyone. The My Classes, which is a, a feature – when you do your lessons, allow teachers to create as many classes as they need, and everything they create is stored on LessonWriter. It is easy to create word searches, flashcards, word lists, and word walls, etc., from past lessons, and everything is right there when you need uh, to make a quiz or unit test. Uh, question groups are subgroups of classes. Create as many as you need, assign questions, exercises, notes, and appro- uh, to the appropriate group on the questions page, and then print lessons with only that group's lessons. Uh, second is a little history. He's been a teacher, or I've been a teacher, for 25 years and developed, tested, and improved lesson writer for many years and hundreds of secondary and adult ed classes before I decided that they were ready to share with other teachers. Third, we have two products for schools which are free with professional development trainings or available for sale. These products address many criteria of NCLB. Uh, his goal, my goal is to support the products by providing professional development. So please tell your administrators, thanks for your interest in my work, and feel free to ask any questions, make suggestions, or request features. Um, I would encourage you to play with it. Just just try one lesson. And, and this is the beauty of it is you can go find stuff off the net. Copy, paste, boom. Give credit to the, to the authors. Give credit to the website. And then, uh, then go from there. And it, it, we talk about rigor, relationships, and relevance. This is where you can pull in some of that relevant stuff that's in the news or out there right now or, and, and, and hit the kids with it. It just saves a lot of time when planning, planning some lessons. So, and tell us what you think about it. Um, I, I've, I've put a couple lessons together on it. I have, every time I play with it, I still have not had a chance to explore all the features because I, there's just so much more there to, to do and play with. Uh, and I'll be playing with it more here over the next few weeks, just kind of looking at it and planning out some stuff. So I'll probably talk about it some more. But tell us what you think. Tell us what you've done with it. Uh, share a lesson with us. And um, we'd love to talk about it. So LessonWriter.com. And I've lost Troy. No, you haven't. I think he's, um, he's planning a lesson for us. Right. No, actually, I'm looking at there's three different levels. You know, as he referred to, there's Lesson Writer, which is free. Um, <laughs> there's Teacher Teams and there's School Tools. And the teacher teams is thirteen hundred bucks or free or free with basic um, professional development. 
Um, school tools is twenty five hundred bucks or free to school after advanced professional development training. And um, they have a nice little checklist as to what you get. With the free one, you get automatic lesson plans, student materials, one-click differentiation. Here's one that that interests me quite a bit, shelter. So the sheltered in instruction I find very interesting, and I'd like to look into that a little bit more. Group questions I think is interesting. Class tracking, automatic scaffolding, and custom diaries. Dictionaries, sorry, custom dictionaries. Those are all the free things that you get. In the teacher teams, you can. it also adds in lesson sharing, team collaboration, and class-level reports. And then with school tools, you get all of that, plus online lessons, multimedia lessons, student-level reports, automated assessment, data-driven instruction, I don't know what that means, and individual student settings. Um, sounds really interesting, something that we'll have to take a look at um, and I'll, I'll have to spend a little time with and have a couple of other people take a look at as well. So looks like it could be a good pick there, Mr. McGurr. Hey, thank you. Okay. Um, and one of the things that, that kind of came across the radar this week as well was Girl Talk Radio, which I think is a misnomer. And I think it's interesting that that's what they ended up naming it, is Girl Talk Radio. This is um, a middle school level, well, basically middle school level um, girls talking about math and science. And um, they've, they've done some podcasts. It is, uh, they've done interview with, they do interviews with women scientists conducted by girls 11 to 16. And let me tell you, it's conducted by girls 11 to 16. It's a good <laughs> example of it's a good model for for kids to listen to as well. Um, it is based out of um, Pittsburgh. Um, and I'll just read the little blurb here. Um, girls are talking. You should listen. Girl Talk Radio is a show connecting girls with amazing women in Pittsburgh and beyond in math and science. What does a CIA agent really do? A marine biologist. Girl Talk Radio girls get up close and personal with women in edgy science careers. Uh, the Girls Math and Science Partnership has teamed up with the Saturday Light Brigade to offer girls the chance of interviewing um, emerging and establishing established female mathematicians, scientists, and engineers. Um, so I think it's something that's definitely worth checking out and taking a look at. I also find it interesting that they have a $250,000 state-of-the-art digital studios. And when you think about what you could do with a lot less money now, <laughs> you know, um, you just have to wonder. Um, so but you can you can check that out. Um, I w- would suggest it, and again, it's uh, I think it's nice to listen to some of what some of the kids are doing, and uh, some examples thereof. And that's it. Braincake.org/slash/girltalk. You can check that out, and of course, there's a link on the website, and it's funded by, you know, they've got some some uh, old media funding that as well, and involved too. Uh, Carnegie, you know. Okay, um, another one that I came across this week 
and I, I have to tell you, I have not had a chance to really check this out, but this sure sounds interesting. And that is TRAILS. And TRAILS stands for Tool for Real-Time Assessment of Information Literacy Skills. Mm. Um, and again, I, I have to apologize. I did not get a lot of time to spend with this. But it is a knowledge assessment with multiple choice questions targeting a variety of information literacy skills based on 6th and ninth grade standards. Web-based system is developed to provide an easily accessible and flexible tool for library media specialists and teachers to identify strengths and weaknesses in the information-seeking skills of their students. Um, it's free. Surprise, surprise, as it comes from me. Um, <laughs> and they have some um, some sample items that you can check out on. Um, but... You know, one of the things that I think we need to do is teach kids how to do search. And um, I think that if nothing else, this might be handy to take a look at in terms of are we teaching these things? Do we have them b baked in? As a teacher, it can give you some good ideas on um, what you can do in your classroom to help kids teach. It's kind of like the Google tricks that... Uh, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier in, underneath the Twitterverse in terms of making it so kids can search effectively and what does a good web page look like and all that good stuff. So mm -hmm. take a look at that. Next is um, one that is uh, comes from Wayne State University, Word Warriors. Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. Uh, one of these days I'll figure out how to... Actually, do the echo that I know I have the ability to do, but, you know. And they have their 2010 list. And, you know, we didn't even talk list. about whether this is 2010 or 2010. We're going with That's 2010. Been a big debate, you know, in other circles. Yes, 2010. Um, and I think this would be probably a good even advisory activity to talk about some of these words. So here's the list of sadly underused or overlooked but eminently useful words that should be brought back to enrich our language. Uh-oh. Okay? Okay. Antidiluvian. Ooh, before the flood. <laughs> uh, very old, old-fashioned or out-of-date, antiquated, primitive, literally before the flood. Um, bamboozle, bloviate, charlatan, um, festoon, galoshes, I like galoshes, indefatigable, um, insouciance, mendacity, and that's one that I think kids would actually love is mendacity, mercurial, mercurial. Mm -hmm. um, uh, numinous, quixotic, scuttle, and unctuous. So um, I think that's a, a, a fun list to, to check out. Uh, and you could talk to your kids and get your kids to talk to them, talk about them. They also have uh, words that de deserve wider use. Um, and you can actually thumbs up or thumbs down on that 
Um, and there's a, you know, it's a nice lengthy list there um, that you could share with kids. And it's just a neat way to increase their vocabulary and to talk about words. And kids, kids really like when you teach them some of those big words. They like to use those big words. Um, and one of my teachers, actually, they have a list of uh, vocabulary words good vocabulary words, and when the kids use them in class correctly and appropriately, they get a gumball that goes into their container. So they have a competition Ooh. between the different classes, and um, it's fun to see which classes have a, their little containers almost full of gumballs, <laughs> and then the next one's got, is pretty thin. <laughs> but, but it does encourage kids to use the, the words and um, in class and, you know, think about them and use them appropriately. So you can check that out. All right. Um, NMSA 09. Yes, I still have sessions left. Um, and I got one. That's it. Um, so we're, we're going to depend on you for these. So, so I'll just do, a, I'll just do this one real quick. Because um, right. we've had so many Skype issues, I no longer know exactly how long we've been going. So, <laughs> well, that, that will see how long you last on here? We're going to give this a go here. This one I thought was interesting. This was from uh, uh, some Canadians, Ooh. and it was entitled "Got Student Leadership." And what they did is they 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 looked around and they they figured out that. Student council wasn't really doing what they wanted it to do. They didn't have enough kids involved, um, and it wasn't leading to the kind of leadership skills that they wanted. So what they did is um, they they were looking for a more vibrant, dynamic school-wide leadership program, and there is a there's a, a website link to uh, lots of uh, of that does the the kind of program. And one of the things that they said, and this is from the Canadian Association of Student Activity Advisors, um, but what they did is they, they had a couple of people get involved and they said you have to adopt and adapt all of these things. And they did a bunch of really the advisory kind of activities but the kids were uh, they they built a kid leadership team they uh, actually started before school starts they have a retreat which is two days and they create a toolbox of soft skills and then the kids become the leaders of the activities and the programs um, and what they did is one of the things they did is they established a theme for the year and they started including music. So they had a picture and they made T-shirts. Um, and they said one of the most positive things that they did was to kind of turn the T-shirt making over to the kids to design the logo and the theme for the year and bring the, the music in. And they said adding the music was a big deal. Um, it made it a lot more uh, effective. Um, they did some activities with us. One was that um, you had to handwrite your name as many times possible in 15 seconds. 
And then you debrief on that. Um, how many times did you do that? Well, if your name is Sean McGurr, you're probably going to get your name down more frequently than if your name is Sean Cornelius Washington III. Um, so they, you know, they compare. Is it fair to compare long names and short names? Then they um, did it again with the goal of writing one more letter than the last time. So is, is this an achievable goal? Not that you were to you know, write completely, but to write one more letter than you had previously. And then they, we did it again, only just before they said, oh, oh, this time now you have to switch hands. <clears throat> so now you had to write with your non-dominant hand. <clears throat> did you write more or less? You know, was this fair? Da, 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 da. And then you talk about, um, you can talk about motivation as well. Um, then they did another example of the group has to count to 20. Only, only one person can talk, can give the number and there can't there. I forgot how long the delay was. Um, there couldn't be a long delay. Um, and, um, if two people talked at once, you had to start all over. So it became a whole interesting group dynamic because eventually you figure out, okay, you've adopted the number three. <laughs> so when the number three comes up, it's you. And so it's interesting the whole, uh, that they couldn't communicate, but that this develops and you can actually do this. Um, they use co-captains instead of a president and vice president, and they use intramurals as a ward. They have monthly spirit activities, and they have a committee. A different committee takes one month and does the spirit activity. So you get a whole bunch of different kids involved. You have the, your captain and co-captain lead that month, and they um, um, continue on with that um, they did a different a, a different twist off of the I Spy. What they did is they took a close up picture of eyes of all the staff members, oh. just the eye, and there was a competition for guessing whose eye that was. And there was um, each guest cost a quarter, fifty cents. Uh, you know, a dollar or whatever. And then there's, at the end, there is a, um, they get a cash prize. And then it's also a fundraising activity. So they, you know, you're, you're paying a quarter to guess, but you're, all of the, the um, correct answers are eligible for a prize, whatever that prize is. Mm -hmm. um, and you can know your kids. Um, they had a rock, paper, scissors tournament, um, which I thought was cool. Um, and then they also started um, RAT, Rise and Tell, to break the code of silence of talking to adults. So instead of having um, elections for student council, they have interviews. So the kids have to say why it is they want to be part of this, and they have to write an essay, and then they have to talk to an adult. And they said that alone was very powerful because now instead of um, – it being a popularity contest, it is basically, and they they said this one one girl said, you know, you're probably not going to take me because of this 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 and this, but I really want to be part of it, 
and they took a chance on her and she, actually her grades improved and she was a, a you know pretty good leader so uh, it's a different way of doing things so um that was it was it was kind of interesting it was a fun um it was a fun session as well because they got us involved. We did the handwriting activity. You know, we did um, some of the activities that they had as well. So that was they, pretty cool. They make you do it. They make you do it in, in print or in cursive because <clears throat> that would make a difference too in the, in the time involved. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, I don't think they had to tell us. I don't think they told. They tell us. They just said you have to write your name as fast as you can. Because that might be, that might also might be a, a nice equalizer too. Somebody has a really short name but doesn't know their cursive, you know, that adds another. I would tell you, I think it was interesting thing. because the people at my table all wrote in cursive. Hmm. Because I think it's faster. <laughs> it goes, it is, yeah. you know, it goes together. It lines together. You don't have to stop and pick your pen up. So. Yeah, kids yeah. don't want to do cursive though, and that's that's what made me think of that. Okay. So, so hey, it'd just be fun to do. But that was really interesting, and I like the twist off of the student council and elections into student leadership and application process. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, so you can check that out, and you could steal some of those ideas for advisory as well. Mm-hmm. Great advisory ideas. Yeah. Because I'm going to throw in one more that they did. Um, they mm-hmm. had one person up there, and... You know, one person, the teacher, leads the, the activity. And um, what they do is whatever – they start with whatever they point, up, down, left, right. And then um, – so the class has to do the same thing. So – and it's like if you mess up, you're out. You know, kind of like Simon says. Okay. You know, if you mess up, you're out. So so they, they did that, um, and they do – Say it and do it. So you'd say up and point up. You'd say down and point down. And then, you know, you have to do that as well. Okay. And then they have the say one thing and do the opposite. So you say up, but you point down. <laughs> you say left and you point right. And um, so it adds in a uh, an additional complexity to it. And that was another activity. And it's the whole idea of, Okay, you're processing this information. You're processing visual information and audio information, um, and that was a lot of fun. We just had a blast with that because you know you're, you're struggling and trying to point. You're, you're trying to correct the mistake as soon as you realize you do it, and it's like, no, you can sit down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was that was fun. Um, and then the rock paper scissors was, uh, you know, be fun as well. Mm-hmm. So cool. All right. Well, um, I think the NMSA is still looking for an executive director and an assistant director. As far as as far as I know, yes. As a matter of fact, I can even check on that just here in a second. But um, I'm encouraging Troy to apply. No. No. Okay. Well, then we encourage Jeff Larue to try. Maybe he would be. He's just an Wouldn't awesome, awesome middle school guy. I hope they would consider him because I think he would do an excellent, excellent director. Oh, you know what? They did post a, a job search um, page now. So here's what they're looking for. You ready? I, I, and I think this might work. Um, advanced degrees or degree. Uh, proven ability in business and management. And Jeff has definitely got that because he's been a principal. He's had you know both sides of things. <laughs> uh, experience in the field of education. Again, that's, that's, that's Jeff. Uh, outstanding communication and collaboration skills. 
definitely Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to work with and under the direction of a board of trustees. Well, he's been on the board of trustees. <laughs> he's currently on it. And uh, knowledge of policy issues affecting education, and that's oh, that's a preferred. And what well, he's done that as part of both the Michigan Association of Middle School Educators and as part of the, the board of trustees for NMSA. So uh, there's a complete director, executive director job description uh, as a PDF attached to the website, and uh, it's going to be open. The deadline's February 5th, but the position's going to be open until filled. They anticipate the start date will be May 2010. I would hope they would make it like the middle of June so that Jeff could finish out with his kids. But, you know, eh, you know, uh, interested applicants should submit a resume and a letter of interest to Dr. Santopino, Santopino, NMSA Executive Shirts, Search, Shirts, Executive Search. There we go. 4151 Executive Parkway, Suite 300, Westerville, Ohio, 43081. Or you can email it to spino at nmsa.org. Yeah, I we'll put, we'll put a link there to that as well. Um, and if you're a and if you're an administrator and you're going to ASCD, I would suggest that you check out the Google Teacher Academy for administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be a, a fun thing to do. All right, and with that, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. <laughs>